I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. Where do you get inspiration? That was a strong lead. That was maybe too much energy. Too much energy yeah. going into it? Maybe like, where do you get inspiration? Oh, that was nice. Yeah. That was very podcasty. Thanks. I could hear if we had like the fun, like, where do you get inspiration? Doop, 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 like some jingle NPR style behind it. Mm-hmm. On this episode, we'll be joined by, I don't know, some dude with a PhD talking about creativity probably. If this is sponsored by NPR. Right. Yeah, or affiliated rather than sponsored. It's not. It's just us. Yeah, but we are talking about inspiration. We are. I think it's interesting. Like, you are a very creative person who exercises creativity pretty frequently. I don't yeah. know that I, like, feel that constantly in my own life. And so I feel in some ways that, like, decorating is the way that I do that. Hmm. But... It's also difficult because it's not a constant iterative process, you know, it's a like kind of finite. Right. In some ways. You go back to projects again and again though. That's true. Usually ones that involve a lot of sanding. <laughs> Maybe in another life I like had some sort of karma that required me to sand things over and over in this life. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> But I was thinking about where creativity comes from and inspiration and things like that because obviously we just talked about like Pinterest and Instagram and envy and things. And envy. Isn't that like the other side of the coin in all creative pursuits though? It's like half of it is having your own ideas and feeling good about them and half of it is seeing other people's ideas and be like, shit, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty true. But this is not a sad episode about that. This is an episode <laughs> about creativity and inspiration and where it comes from. I don't know. I I like to take in content in order to see other ideas swirling around so that I can kind of identify the things that I like and the things that are working that I could see that could work for me. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is buying magazines. I'm not a subscriber to magazines, um, but I like every so often, I would say every three to six months maybe, to go out. Like when I'm feeling particularly bored, when I'm like, oh, I could sit around and read a bunch of magazines right now. Mm. Used to be able to go to Target and they had like a big magazine section in the back. With, a, like, very common magazines, but then also some not-so-common magazines. So I could get, like, an HGTV magazine and a House Beautiful, but also maybe, like, a more niche decor magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time I went, they didn't have them anymore. They took them away. So I had to go to Barnes & Noble to their magazine section. Wow. This is a particularly New York problem, I think, though, because I would imagine in the suburbs... Maybe A, Target had enough space to not take their magazine section away, but B, I feel like you're assaulted by magazines huh. everywhere in the suburbs when you're, like, around, That's you know? True. To my recollection, Target is still selling CDs in the suburbs, so I'm sure they have magazines. That's true. 
Or like um, the Joanna Gaines magazine, Magnolia Journal, things like that. Mm. So yeah, I like to every so often just pick up a bunch of magazines and look through them and see what the goings on are and kind of like mark the things that are interesting to me. Maybe like a DIY magazine. What do they call it? A vision board when you do that, right? When you cut the stuff out? Mm-hmm. Mm. Or mood boards, mood sometimes board. they're called. Yeah, I liked, I was doing that for a while, actually. I had like a little notebook that I was cutting things out and pasting them in. Yeah, I remember. I like collaging. It's like a fun time. Mm-hmm. Is that what a mood board is? Is I mean, I guess effectively it is a collage, but is there like a difference? I think it really depends. Like some people... Professional designers do them for rooms that they're designing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a recommendation that a lot of people have. I mean, people think that Pinterest is basically just like a digital mood board. And so like the actual, a lot of people advocate that you do like an actual physical mood board when you go into a project. Mm-hmm. I would I would imagine that some people do them more frequently. Like Design Sponge talks about she does a mood board every year as like a new year's not necessarily resolution but just like a new year's activity of Mm. what she wants the year to look like it's kind of cool yeah so i think it can be very physical like decor oriented things or it could be more emotional things or it can just be stuff that you like the look of and you don't really know why Mm -hmm. something that speaks to you yeah Mm. So I like that as a practice. I haven't been doing it a lot recently. I don't like. I don't think I would want to store them anywhere. Mm. You know, I wouldn't want to have like a closet full of mood boards. <laughs> this is my mood board closet. Yeah. And sometimes I'm a little disappointed by magazines, maybe because I've already seen all of their content on the internet. Mm. But I like to go into a magazine and be like, oh, I would never have seen this if I didn't purchase this physical thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true internet kind of equalizes all that that was the fun thing i remember as a kid in line looking at all the different magazines and not just especially when we were growing up it wasn't just like people and inside it was like actual random things like life and outdoors magazines and sports magazines and probably decor magazines were all up front for you to flip through and hopefully buy while you waited to check out yeah and i remember the racks of them and like that content wasn't at that point available anywhere else. The magazines were all specialized to pretty niche interests. And then now everyone on the internet has a blog and all the magazines have blogs for all their content and bloggers to write even more content than you can get in the magazines. Yeah. It's tricky. I feel like magazines, like people talk about books versus eBooks, but no one is really out here decrying the loss of magazines. I think there are, like, Design Switch does talk about the loss of print magazines, and she makes her own print magazine. Um, it, it was really interesting to me the last time I bought magazines to realize that 100% of the content in the magazine had been online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know anything about magazine, like, mm-hmm. business models, so I'm not going to speak to that. But it it was interesting to see that, like, I had already seen all of that content. But there are other magazines that don't do that, so. That's true, I it's something that I do periodically to flip through. I stand corrected. I'm actually, I sit corrected currently right now. On the floor? Yeah, yeah, on the floor. I don't really buy magazines. I don't read a ton of magazines either. Besides, I do like literary mags 
I was going to say literary magazines and then lit mags and then said I just shortened one word each. Uh, I read those. They're the same thing. Yeah. Um, And sometimes I read a few outdoor magazines, but really only when their content pops up online. Mm. Like I wouldn't go buy outside magazine necessarily. So I don't know. Magazines aren't necessarily a big point of inspiration for me. I would say maybe online. Their online content is like blogs especially hiking wise a lot of ideas i get from there come from blogs there's not necessarily decor but it's not not decor there's an aesthetic to it i think um I'm trying to think about like my own personal decor stuff i don't really know not so much magazines maybe some things later on our talking point list we'll strike a chord fair I also, we've talked a lot about Pinterest, so I don't want to talk about Pinterest, like, too much, but a few months ago, I was, like, sitting around doing nothing, and I was like, maybe I should reorganize my Pinterest board. (laughs) Um, Not for anyone else's benefit, solely my own, because I, I like, like, nicely organized digital files, Mm. you know? And when I started Pinterest, the organization of my Pinterest boards were essentially just, like, rooms. Mm. If I liked something in a photo i would just put it in the room that Mm -hmm. that photo was of Mm -hmm. and that resulted in like hundreds and hundreds of photos in one folder and so i never really went back and looked at them because i knew that there was just like too much stuff in that folder Mm -hmm. so i went and i created probably 10 or 20 more boards as i saw sort of um themes pop up in the photos like now i have a whole board that's just fireplaces and regardless of which room that fireplace is in if the fireplace was the thing i liked in the photo i put that photo in there wow you have a fireplace board yeah i do i think they're cool i think there are a lot of like cool ways to style them i like i think they're like cool architectural things that get done with them hmm For a while, I got, like, really into the specific niche of fireplaces with cool stonework on the inside. Mm. And once you start pinning something, it starts showing you those things. So Mm -hmm. you kind of get in, like, a a pattern. Or if I liked specifically the flooring in that room, I put it in the floorboard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The floorboard. Yeah. Nice. And... That was good because it makes those photos more searchable for me. Like, if I'm doing something for the show notes, I can go find them easier. Mm. But also, it was kind of an interesting process of just doing it in the first place to see, like, oh, what did I like about this photo and why did I pin it and what are the themes of the things that I'm pinning? And is there anything I've forgotten about that perhaps is inspirational? Hmm. That's cool. I only recently restarted my pinterest it's been going pretty well i mainly just pin right now my own creations but i did some like style searches for a little bit when i was thinking about doing a little bit of a wardrobe switch up or doing different things with my hair i'll use pinterest for that use pinterest for some home office stuff but I haven't really found anything I like too much. People have a lot of intense home office vibes, or at least the <laughs> ones that I found on Pinterest are a little too like, intense for me. Um, I feel like this might be a bit of a tangent, but the world of home officing is, I, I think, maybe become a weird one as 
millennials and younger people have gotten into the game of it or like freelancing has just become more prevalent it seems like one it's weird that it's its own aesthetic a little bit maybe i just think of it a little more utilitarian than most people but it seems like some people and not just based on my pinterest viewing i understand that pinterest as we've talked about in previous episodes is a very stylized view of the world but people spend like spend as much time putting their home office or curating their home office as they do actually working in their home office which is true to a degree of me too I spend a lot of time cleaning it and thinking about it and trying to reorganize the space a little bit. But some people really go all out. And on their like blogs, they'll have whole things about their office curation. And it's interesting. I, I started this tirade being a bit against it. And as I've talked myself through it, I suppose I take a lot of time to set it up too. I guess I'm leading towards the conclusion that it's just curious that, that how much of an aesthetic it's become. I feel like office spaces up until really so many people started freelancing and working from home were just what they were. There were these utilitarian spaces set up by someone else that you went to and you worked in. You could like hang pictures of your family or your dog or your partner or whatever, but then you left to go to the place you actually designed. But now that so much freelancing is happening in, I mean, especially in New York City, the idea of curating an office and curating an office aesthetic has become much more prominent i would say that there's always been a space in interior design for the home office especially in spaces that have like a separate dedicated home office Hmm. that either you bought remember when you i'm sure you can still get them but like you would go buy the whole office set and it would be like the desk and the hutch and usually the desk was like in an l shape and then there would be like the matching filing cabinet and all of that stuff yeah I feel like that was really big. I feel like the study look was really big. Mm-hmm. People were going for. Well, I guess part of what I'm getting at, and now that I continue talking, I realize we did a whole episode on the home office. So, of course, I spent time thinking about my home <laughs> office. But I think maybe what I'm getting at is it's interesting how pervasive it is, right? Like the idea of a home office or mm-hmm. the idea of a study, especially, was something that only people of a certain income or of a certain wealth could have but now it's just like anyone can work from home and pretty much everyone not everyone not pretty much everyone but anyone and everyone can work from home and all you need really is a laptop and an idea to do it um, especially people doing like nomadic work where it's not even their own business they're just working nomadically quote unquote for a larger company um, so now a, whole, a home office or a study isn't something necessarily like a material goal or of a certain social standing it's just something that like people need it's a lifestyle yeah kind of yeah maybe that's what i'm getting at it's weird <laughs> that that home officing has become like a lifestyle but cool in some ways i guess like it speaks to other things that work in society and the economy and such i guess i imagine that all things have become that way with the internet though like not even pinterest specifically but just anything you want to know about you can find on the internet like if you're as interested in it as someone else yeah so the fact that you went into pinterest to like look up home office like you naturally selected to have those things sent to you Hmm. it's true there's a particularly weird corner 
uh, Pinterest for like men's home office as well. And I stumbled into there's one thing I have pinned. Maybe I'll share it in the show notes of like a an old like six shooter revolver that someone keeps their pens in. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of shit like that out there, which is like a bit much. I think that's also like a corner of decor that existed for a long time in order to make things feel masculine. It had to be like a repurposed object that was like a repurposed gun. Yeah. It had to be like I was gonna say a masculine object, but you know, objects are inherently gendered. Just like <laughs> whatever societal constructs are placed on that object, you know? Yeah. So I feel like there's definitely a good amount of that. I also think that home office is a place where people repurpose a lot. Like I've seen a lot of like repurposed cans as like pen holders and things like that. Mm -hmm. The DIY craze is strong in home office and organization in general. It's definitely true. And I think thrifting is equally strong. Transition. Yeah, boom. But this is actually what I was hinting at at the start. I think this is really where I pull most of my inspiration from. Um, not only is much of, is our, not only is much of my home office stuff, not only are many of my home office things, is, a lot of my shit is from thrift stores in my home office. Um, externally, it might not seem like it, like the chairs and the DIY, the trash pick, and the desk is the trash pick, the filing cabinet is, but then internally some of the organizing tools I have. And the resource library bookshelf is a thrift as well, um, is all thrifted. And I think that's kind of where my aesthetic lands, not only because that's where I like to shop, but it's kind of fun. I like the hodgepodge-ness of it, um, like going and being like, does this work? Will this work with other things I own? Um, whether that's the office, whether that's like a piece of clothing, uh, and I, I kind of like to build my aesthetic. Wow, I like to build my aesthetic. That's right, folks. Um, <laughs> hashtag Donnie's Design Corner. Donnie's Decor Corner. Oh, my God. Messing it up. Donnie's Decor Corner. Um, build my aesthetic like piece by piece like that. I think it's a, I don't know, it's how I like to think about it. You know, I don't know that I would sit down and make a mood board ever, but it's almost like a, a mood board in motion to be like oh this is a cool shirt is this shirt itself cool or will this shirt work with like pants i have will this shirt be something i can wear to workshops or is this just going to be a t-shirt that i wear on the weekends and i don't really need right and kind of working through it that way yeah i like thrifting a lot too i think there is a creativity to sourcing and being like oh i need a chair let me go look for the chair i want um but I think equally there's a creativity that I really enjoy to going out and saying like, I need something to fill this space or I need something to serve this function and then seeing what appears. Or if we're just out somewhere for fun and we're like, oh, this thing is really cool. What could we do with it? Yeah. I think those are fun experiences. I said experience and adventure at the same time. Mm -hmm. and it got like weird. Adventure. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, I, I sometimes find it hard, like, I get, like, blank page syndrome really hard, so if I'm sitting, like, looking at a blank page, or if I'm sitting in a blank space trying to decide what's gonna go here, like, what am I going to create here, mm -hmm. I 
have a hard time with that, but I can be in a thrift store and I can see something and I can say, well, that looks like trash right now, but it could be something really cool or it was meant for this purpose, but I could use it for that purpose. Yeah. And I like that process. That's true. I feel like thrifting is good for that. Even if you don't end up buying the thing, it sort of expands your horizon with it, right? Because you might go through that and be like, oh, but this one is a little bit broken. So next time I see X thing, I don't know why I can't think of a good example. A kitchen stool. Kitchen stool. Well, I was thinking of something to repurpose in particular. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you like see something and maybe the one you see is a little bit broken, but it's gotten your gears turning and you thought through this whole thing and you're like, oh, well now I'll add this to my list, whether an actual list or just like in the back of your head. Next time you're in a space where one of those is available, you know, you can get it. It's also kind of nice if you have the extra income thrifting is usually the most affordable way to experiment right you can get things way discounted sometimes because they're broken but oftentimes not um and so that kind of feels a little freeing right if you buy this thing and it ends up not working well it only costs you like ten dollars or if you buy this shirt and you end up not really wearing it, it costs you a buck fifty so you can just donate it back you know um if you have that kind of flexibility in your budget I also think that something being broken is one of the most, like, thrilling moments in a thrift adventure because you have that moment of, like, I want this, but then you're like, ooh, can I fix it? Mm. And oftentimes I would say the answer is yes. There are some times when a thing has just been obliterated and then you don't want to spend money on it. But, like, we picked those chairs out mm-hmm. of the trash because the seats were loose and all we had to do was, like, buy a new screw. Hmm. That's more DIYing, though. That's true. But you know what I mean? Or like that, we have a thrift stool that was pretty wobbly, and I just, like, glued it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sometimes things just need a little bit of love. Yeah. But also DIY. Mm-hmm. I like DIY a lot. I like the sensation of having, like, made the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's nice in DIY to kind of start with a base that isn't yours because I can't build a chair from scratch, but, like, I can save a trash chair, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that a lot of things come together in DIY, right? Like, it could be thrifted. It could be trash picked. It could be a sort of, like, demo that I saw on Pinterest that I want to like make my own or it could be an hand, me, as- hand me down typewriter hand me down um it could be like an aesthetic that i saw and i liked and rather than buying it new i'm going to create it myself you mm-hmm. know so there are a lot of different ways to bring the different sorts of inspiration together in a diy i think mm-hmm. yeah i agree i don't have too much to add to that i mean most of the diy projects i do are really just helping you on your projects there are a few. The chest was a thrift find that needed to be painted over because it was like some imperialist slogan on it. Um, but in terms of big projects, like the painting wasn't, I mean, it took some time to do it. Then we polished the handles too. That was pretty intense. That was probably maybe more intense than the painting. We took all the hardware off and like polished it up, soaked it, did the thing. Um, looking around, trying to think of what else. 
I saw that I'm going to add to my Pinterest mm. when I was in East Harlem recently. There was a tree bed, uh, but the the like frame, the street tree frame. I'll share the photo that you put in the show notes. Is made out of old cigar boxes, oh, which cool. I thought was pretty good. It made a lot of sense because all those cigar boxes, they're I mean they're like humidors. So they're made out of serious wood, mm. so it was like reinforced and what else would you do with that you know some people save the humidors for like sentimentality i'm well, not humidors excuse me they're just the boxes um but they're still made out of good wood and you know i think probably someone just got them from a store that was gonna recycle them or get rid of them and ask if they could have them and then use them as the street tree foundations which i thought was cool as fuck that's cool yeah that's kind of more of an upcycle but it's a little bit of diy as well that'd be cool if it were outside the cigar store too Mm. That's like a little, like invitation in. Yeah, that would like be marketing. <laughs> they weren't. They're on a pretty desolate stretch. Mm-mm. Yeah, but still cool to see. Yeah, I think I do more often than I think. Like if I see something that I really like and I'm not sure I want to pay a ton to do it new, I do try to DIY it, and I think that works out like pretty well most of the time. Like the headboard was something that I wanted and I couldn't find the one I wanted because I had like this image in my mind and so I just made it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a cool sort of like you have the idea and you kind of have to make the idea come to fruition in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little bumper. It's amazing. Still hanging on. The wedge. To keep the headboard. It's like Oh yeah. A little bit, like little bit of a side thing <laughs> from your story but it's the thing that makes the headboard work really it's, it was just such a simple yeah that bumper was like DIY. A, a clutch diy yeah i did a great job on that i didn't even bleed at all but i right but i feel like that's important to point out too is these don't have to be we talked or i just talked about like polishing hardware on a chest and shit like that but it doesn't have to be an intense thing this was a really simple thing that just made an item work that I mean, would have worked otherwise, but would have been a bit more precarious. Yeah. Mean, like you said, it was super easy. You didn't even bleed. Didn't have to sand anything. <laughs> you just stuck. I don't even know what they were. What? They were those, um, you know, when you put like little felt pieces on the bottom of furniture, mm-hmm. they were those, but they're like big for a couch. Yeah. And I just cut them up. Yeah. And glued them together. Super simple. Yeah. That was cool. My last one was just kind of like generic reorganizing of the space. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in the shop your own apartment episode, but I feel like I have a hard time spatially a lot, which we know and have talked about. (laughs) And so sometimes like it's just refreshing to move stuff around and it kind of gets you thinking about different things. Like when we swapped the direction of the living room, Mm -hmm. you know, that changed everything and was really easy and was just kind of like idea of like hey what if we did this or even sometimes just like moving plants around and having some plants live in a different place so that we get kind of like a different view of stuff mm-hmm. moving the books on the bookshelf in different orders yeah we do that pretty frequently mm-hmm. little things yeah i think that i think they're nice i think especially moving the furniture around like we did that definitely inspired our design of the room moving forward it opened up the idea to a second bookshelf to take some of the load off the main one and off of the cabinet that's true get opened up some of the art hanging like it made us reconsider like what would be in the bedroom what would be out for display don't think we'd have the hand if we didn't move stuff around 
Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. I think it allows you to like look at things in different ways and things that you already have in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that besides the bookshelf, I don't know the second bookshelf, I don't know that it inspired us to get anything new per se. But it inspired us to do some shit. Like move stuff around. Like the shopping apartment episode. Like just kinda changing your perspective a little bit. Yeah. I think it's nice to sometimes just be like, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And see what happens. I feel like so much of my creativity comes from like messing stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, and deciding like, oh, I really don't want that over there because it's really low stakes to do that and just like move the thing back, you know? Mm. I'd say one thing I just thought of as like a source of creativity um, and it's something I do a lot in my writing through like form and ideas of poetic forms, but like challenges as a source of inspiration. Mm. Like I've challenged myself this year to only thrift clothing and you did the 30 day challenge. That's true. That's kind of an interesting way to think of things. I mean, it has in full disclosure, bought a pair of eco-friendly shorts for the summer cause I needed new shorts. They're great. Didn't thrift them. <laughs> Got them shipped. Like, did the thing. Um, but beyond those shorts, I haven't bought anything new aside from outdoor gear, uh, which I'm also not really counting towards that. Uh, but it's really shifted my style, I think. I got, for example, a pair of jeans from Goodwill that I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. They're like bright. They're not acid wash. I don't know. How would you describe them? They're, they're very light wash. Yeah, they're like light wash. They're not like some acid wash, crazy 90s pair. But um, that's not really my style. I don't think I would have done that if I wasn't in the thrift store. They're in my size. They fit really well. They also had a $5 bill in them. and they Yeah, were... that's like some bullshit luck that you have all the time at Goodwill. Yeah, um, and so I just got them because they were $8 with a $5 bill in them. So really, they were like $3 pants at that point. And if I ended up not wearing them, I could just donate them back or donate them to the clothing drive at the farmer's market. Then I got them and I worn them quite a bit and like figured out some outfits with them and really sort of moved in a slightly new direction that I don't think I would have if I didn't give myself the challenge. You know, if I wasn't trying to stick to that I might have seen those and been like oh that's an interesting thought but no it just kept going on yeah I think we do challenges in a lot of aspects of life like we've both done some clothing challenges this year um we do food challenges like all the time like what what do you mean like we got really into health for a while and then <laughs> you were whole 30 for a second and now I you're was whole 30 for like two days I <laughs> you were whole 30 for like maybe five days Oh, yeah, it was, a, uh, it was a weird thought I had that I thought I could do. Didn't recommend it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying these are things we recommend. These are just things that we've tried. Yeah. Um, we are doing kind of like, I don't know if I'd call minimalism a challenge, but we're definitely using minimalism as a restriction in a lot of ways, I would say. Mm-hmm. We're kind of doing like a no new home stuff thing. Mm. 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should, like, go on the hunt for, like, some different home and decor challenges you can do and see if we want to try one, like a 30 by 30, but for your house or something. Hmm. Is that a bad idea? Maybe I'll look that up. Yeah. Report back. Yeah. It could be cool. Yeah, I think that's a good good source of inspiration for me. I feel like giving myself those kind of restrictions helps me think with a bit more clarity. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's fun to try something that you wouldn't necessarily try and know that you could, like, there's an end point to it, right? At some point, you can just be like, okay, that didn't work, or that did work, or, you know, this is what I want to employ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice way to kind of reset without full reset. <laughs> you know, I feel like people are like, oh, I'm going to stop doing this right now. And yeah. And you're like, well, are you, though? You're right? <laughs> that's about, like, people, I mean, that's what people talk about with all sorts of habit breaking. Like, all the people who write about routine and all the, like, pop psychology shit out there is all about that. Like, if you just stop something cold turkey, you like probably not going to be super effective at it. it might work for a little while but then eventually you'll slip back into it much but like you being whole 30 much like, <laughs> much like me being whole 30 no i don't know my that's a different conversation it was thought it's bad thought um but yeah and like giving yourself these little challenges to see kind of if you can do it is it's a good way to progress towards something rather than full stop and think you can attain it but that makes sense and decide if it's something you want to do. Like, I always feel in a challenge that there's no harm in going back to what I was doing if I really, like, didn't like it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's nice to do it without shame because it's, you know, it's finite and you succeeded in, like, the 30 days of whatever you were trying to do. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, no one's actually holding you to this challenge. So if it sucks, you can also just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Much like Whole30. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.